0: All right, good morning, and I welcome, want to welcome you to the third week of a series we're doing here at Hope called Worthy. We're talking about worship. What is it? Why do we do it? I think if you'd ask most churchgoers, what is worship? They would probably say worship is that part of the church service where we all sing. And uh, worship really is singing, and, uh, and the music and the songs that we bring on a Sunday morning, we, uh, if you've been in the church world for any time, you know there are worship leaders and there are worship teams who uh, play the music and create the environment that allows us to worship God in song. And uh, I, I just say I, I love the worship here at Hope. Um, we had another amazing time of worship together. And I would like to recognize Max and our worship team and those who serve. They do an incredible job of leading us in worship each and every week. They serve very humbly and they serve skillfully. And uh, like I said, I just, I love being here on Sunday morning, getting to worship God. So, a, a big part of our worship really is this corporate singing. And you might remember we read a verse in week one of our series from Psalm 96, verse one, which says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord. And praise his name. Uh, You can't miss it, it uses the word sing three times. Singing is a big part of our worship. Um, This verse comes from the book of Psalms, and uh, you may not know this, but uh, the word psalms actually means song. It comes from a Greek word psalmos, which means a song, particularly one that is accompanied by stringed instruments. So that kind of sounds a lot like what we did this morning, right? Like we got to worship with song and we worship with instruments. And um, it's music and song really are a powerful expression of worship. Uh, Lives are changed in these moments. Uh, Of course, our attitude matters. We talked about that last week. We shared three attitudes of life-changing worship. Awe, abandon, and desire. Mentioned that last week. But really when we come to church, we bring an expectation that in worship God meets us um, and and, and he's a God who is real and he's a God who is present. These these moments are powerful moments. But my question today is um, when the songs are over, and the worship service comes to an end, does that mean our worship stops? Think about it. I think for a lot of people, worship really is that 15 minutes in church before the sermon where the music plays and we all sing. And if that's all worship is, and we came, we did it, All right, we're going to be done here in a little bit, and we're all going to go home and live our lives. And then maybe we come back and we worship God another week. But if our God really is an almighty God, if he is holy, holy, if he is the God who created the heavens and the earth, who, in whom, whose breath is in our lungs, who upholds the universe by the word of his power, if he's the God who loved us and saved us and is preparing a place for us in whom's presence is the fullness of joy, then he is worthy not just of a moment of worship or a morning of worship. He is worthy of unending praise. I like our, uh, I've been thinking about this a little bit this week. When the songs are over, does that mean our worship stops? I actually uh, was kind of playing around with some ideas in my head. Uh, with if worship is singing and singing is worship, how long could we literally sing? Like, how long, if we had some real endurance, we're like, we're coming and we're going to worship God until we literally can't go on. How long could we potentially worship? Well, I did a little Google search just to see what's reported by Guinness World Records. So when it comes to singing, for example, how long do you think we could hold a single note without breathing? I don't know. Uh, anybody? 10 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. Right? If, if I saw somebody sing a single note for a minute without breathing, I think we'd all be like, wow, that person's amazing. Well, the Guinness World Record for longest continuous vocal note. Does that guy look like he's in pain? Okay. <laughs> Just looks uncomfortable. yeah uh so this is this is a guy named richard fink he shattered the record for longest continuous vocal note on november 17th 2019 he's a vocal instructor he held this note for a stunning two minutes and 1.07 seconds i actually watched the video on youtube and he's He's controlling his breathing. So it's very much a... And he holds that for two minutes until he can't go any longer. Um, He stops right around the two-minute mark. His friends and family are there. They erupt with applause, but he just falls over in his chair. And then you see his lungs breathe as he's catching his breath. So if worship is song. We could just hold a note together. Maybe we could get, I don't know, for if it's me, I got 30 seconds. That's about it. Well, let's talk about songs. What if we came, we're like, we're going to worship God, it's going to be awesome, and we're going to sing nonstop. How long do you think we could go? Like, maybe we close our service, and Max and the team are just leading us in worship, and it's 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Anybody ready maybe to go home and get some lunch? But you know what? There's going to be some worship animals in this room. And they're going to say, I don't care. I don't need food. I'm just going to keep on going. God is worthy. We're worshiping nonstop. And I don't know. Max and the team, they're, they're on fire. And, and they're just singing and playing. And it's like 10, 11, 12. It's midnight Probably most of us have gone home. And pretty much all of us will need to go home and eat or sleep at some point, right? Well, how long could we sing? According to Guinness World Records, a Norwegian Elvis Presley impersonator. First of all, did anybody know there were Norwegian... Elvis Presley impersonator. Like, I just got to stop there because that, like, my mind is already blown. This Norwegian Elvis Presley impersonator set a world record on July 5th, 2020. So, all right, it's the pandemic. Nobody has anything to do. Okay. He sang the legendary entertainer songs nonstop. For 50 hours, 50 minutes, and 50 seconds—50 50 hours—singing Elvis songs. So I can only imagine that when somebody was like, when when he finished this, there was like, "Oh, that's amazing! Congratulations! You just got a Guinness World Record." How do you feel? I'm guessing he said, "I'm all shook up." <laughs> like, what else are you gonna say? No, no, all right, all right, all right, that's all I got, that's all I got. All right, so um, like I said, I was, I was just, my mind was, was feeling a little crazy this week, and I was just thinking, if we, when we come to worship, if worship is our singing, the songs end, the music fades, it's inevitable. But what if our worship didn't have to stop? What if when we leave this place, our worship didn't end? Psalm 96.4, our theme verse says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. God is worthy, not just of a little praise, not just a 15 minutes of praise, He's worthy of all the praise. He's worthy of all the glory and all the honor. He's worthy of our lives. I want to talk to you today about a life of worship. I want to talk to you about worship as a way of life because worship is so much bigger than our singing. It's so much bigger than showing up at church on Sunday. It's it's so much more than just that kind of music that we listen to on K-Love. Worship is a lifestyle that we live. The way we live our everyday lives can be an extraordinary act of worship toward God. So I'm asking today what if, when the worship service is over, our worship continues? And we can carry that attitude of worship into our homes, into our schools, our workplaces, even our neighborhoods. What if our worship never stopped? The Bible has a lot of references to worship as a way of life, but the best known, gotta be my favorite, some of you are already there, Romans 12:1 and 2. This is a great scripture, we're going to look at it today as we talk about a lifestyle of worship. Here's what it says, Romans 12:1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, our whole life can be worshiped. You see in it? I want to show you how this morning. Before we dive in, let's, let's commit this service to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we get to hear your word, that your word changes our lives. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Remind us that that as we sing today, it is worship. And that worship doesn't have to stop. It just morphs into something so beautiful and so amazing that we get to offer our very lives to you. So we offer you this time as worship, as we learn from your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, how does our worship become a way of life? Two ways from Romans 12. Number one, our whole life becomes worship as it's offered to God. We offer our lives to God. Worship is more than a song. It's more than showing up on Sunday. When We as believers in Jesus Christ surrender our life to, to the Lord. And when we say, here is my life, God, my everyday life, It's worship. Look again at our passage, Romans 12, 1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's our worship. So Paul speaks to believers in Jesus here. He addresses us as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are are those who have Given our hearts to Jesus, we already trust inwardly in the Lord. Now Paul here says, give your whole life as an offering to God. This is your worship. Place it before him as an offering. The imagery from this verse, uh, which Paul uses, comes from the Old Testament sacrificial system. And if you'd like to learn more about all the laws of those Old Testament sacrifices, uh, I would just encourage you, you can go uh, and read more about it in that wonderful Old Testament book of Leviticus. So I'll just leave all that for you because I know you're going to be running home to open up your Bible to Leviticus. But if I could just summarize a little bit. In the Old Testament, a worshiper would come before the altar and they would present uh, an animal before the Lord. And, and that animal would come from either their flock or their herd. Um, but it needed to be alive. You couldn't bring a dead animal. Right? You brought a living animal. And it needed to be blameless. And then that animal would be sacrificed and offered on the fire of the altar. And, 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 and offered up to God. As a sacrifice of worship, according to Leviticus, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Do you guys hear all the language that connects between what Paul's saying here and that Old Testament offering? By using this language of sacrifice, Paul paints a picture for us of what it looks like to offer God our lives every day. And he calls it a living sacrifice. It is sacrifice because our very lives are being offered up to God on the altar. But it's also living. It's living completely before the Lord. It is sacrifice. There's, There's things that are being put to death. We're giving things up. We're laying things down. But it's also living because you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, are alive to God. Through faith in Christ. Uh, Paul actually previews this kind of worship a little bit earlier in Romans chapter 16. I love this verse. Romans 6 13, Paul says, here it is, do not offer, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. By faith in Jesus Christ, you and I have been brought from death to life. We are alive to God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are living unto God as living sacrifices. And the invitation for every one of us is that we take our new life and we offer it back to God in worship, holy and pleasing to Him. And we get to do that not just on Sunday... But on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and every day of our life, the worship never stops. It is our spiritual act of worship. So what does it look like to take our life and offer it to God in worship? Well, listen to how Eugene Peterson rephrases uh, Romans 12, 1 in the message. This uh, This is Peterson's rephrasing. Um, here's, here's how he says it. He says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before the Lord as an offering. Isn't that great? Ooh, that's what Paul's saying here. Just take your life, your going-to-work life, your going-to-school life, your uh, parenting life, your grandparenting life, and present it to the Lord. And that can be worship as you place it before Him. So I was just asking this week, what could we offer to God? Maybe you have a frustrating relationship in your life. Is there a person in your life that frustrates you just a little bit? Maybe it's a former spouse. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody that you work with. But what if the next time you interact with that person, as difficult as they can be, You just say to God, you know what? I'm presenting this frustrating relationship to you. And actually, I'm going to treat this person, God, in a way that honors you, not because they deserve it, but because that's my worship. Laying down our lives, even a relationship, as an act of worship. Students, did you know that you can worship God through doing your schoolwork. Any of our work can be worship. It really can. What we do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that can be worship. Oh, we might need to change our attitude a little bit and just remind ourselves, hey, I'm doing this work for God. I'm not just doing this for that Person, that teacher, that my boss. No, I'm doing this work for God. And so I'm going to work hard. I'm going to give it my best because God deserves my very best. And that, the Bible says, is worship. How crazy is that? There should not be any distinction between our worship life and our work life if we're doing it all for the glory of God. I was thinking about Parenting. We can parent as worship or grandparent as worship. Now, I will be the first one to admit that parenting rarely feels like worship. You know, when you're telling your kids to brush their teeth for the umpteenth time and get to bed, get your pajamas on, does not feel a whole lot like worship, but it can be. We tuck our kids in at night. We pray over them. We tell them how much we love them and how much God loves them. Parenting can become an act of worship. Parenting is sacrifice, no doubt, but it's also worship when we do it for the Lord. Raising kids who love Jesus, it's going to be sacrifice. It's also going to be worship. Our whole lives can be worship when we offer it unto God. The worship doesn't have to stop. And we're all thinking here, okay, that sounds a little hard. Couldn't we just sing for 15 minutes, (laughs) please? (laughs) Much prefer that. What Romans says here, if we can uh, put up the next verse. Offering our whole life to God in view of his mercy is the only worship that makes sense. Anything less than that just doesn't make sense. In view of God's mercy, this is your true and proper worship. Have you gotten a view of God's mercy? Romans 5.8. God shows his love for us in the while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Are you kidding me? God, in view of my sin, while we were still sinners, mercy came. Mercy was laughed at, spit upon, hung on a cross, paid the price for our sins. Three days later, mercy rose from the dead so that our lives might be changed by mercy. Worship is our response to the free gift of God's grace. And mercy can change our life in a single moment when we trust in Jesus Christ. Our sin is forgiven. Death is conquered. Have an eternal life with God. I've come from death to life, as Romans 6 said. Now alive to God. I have eternal life. Jesus did that for me. Jesus is not unfamiliar with sacrifice. He did it first. He did it best. And he laid down his life for us so that we might Simply respond by offering our lives back to him. And the Bible says that's our worship. Our whole life becomes worship as it's offered up to God. Number two, our whole life becomes worship as it's transformed by him. And these two go together. The offering of our lives and the transformation of our lives. Uh, We said throughout the series, can't worship God and stay the same. I can't come into his presence and leave the same. Worship is, uh, the transformation of our lives is a reflection of our worship and is an expression of our worship. When we worship God, our lives begin to change. Romans twelve two, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So just to show you where we're going the next two weeks, we got, we got this week and next week in our series on worship. Here we are today. We're in Romans chapter 12. And what are we looking at? We're looking at worship here on the earth. What does worship look like in this world, in this sinful world, talking about the pattern of this world? Well, next week, you're going to want to come back because our perspective is actually gonna go from earth to heaven. And we're gonna look next week at what worship looks like in heaven right now. You'll see it's pretty stunning. But I'm gonna argue this morning, on the basis of Romans 12, that our worship here on earth can actually be just as stunning and maybe equally as breathtaking because it actually involves the profound and radical transformation of our lives. This really is incredible. Uh, By way of illustration, if you think about it, do any of you have pets? Some of you have pets, right? You love your pets, Uh, your pets are amazing, you write Christmas cards about your pets, all those things. Uh, I am not a pet person. Uh, I don't want pets, I don't need pets, I don't need a lizard, I don't need a ferret, a cat, a dog. Uh, I don't, snake, uh, cricket, ant farm, I don't need it, don't want it. Uh, My wife is not a pet person, also, so sorry kids, no pets. (laughs) But let's say that my two children were able to uh, wear me and my wife down. (laughs) And we end up getting this puppy. And I have, do you need a hug? Because, uh... Don't listen to that mean pastor. He just needs a hug. (laughs) He just needs a little puppy love. That's all he needs. I know I can't, there's no way that I could bring that baby puppy home and my house stay the same. It's just not possible. How much more is it a spiritually important Is it a spiritual? I'm having a hard time looking at that (laughs) dog. I can't go on. Next slide. (laughs) How much more is it a spiritual impossibility to invite God into our everyday life and not expect some sort of radical change? God, we invite God into our life, into our work, into our home, into our family, into our entertainment, into our language, into our vision and values, our life radically changes. What does it look like to worship God in this world? We'll get to heaven next week, but in this world, here we are in this world, Romans twelve two, we don't conform to the pattern of this world. This verse dares us to be different. You are not like the world. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a worshiper of God. Yes, you and I live in this world. And we feel the influence of the world. We feel pressure from the world to conform in certain ways. And that can play out in so many different ways. Even among Christians, we can look like the world. And and maybe that is, uh, that's, in the entertainment we watch, uh, what we fill our minds with, it could be um, it could be just not going to church on Sunday, you know, just like the world does or maybe it's uh, a comfort with some sort of immorality or sin in our life, be that pornography or living with a boyfriend or girlfriend, or maybe it's just, accepting our culture's redefinition of right and wrong, the Bible says we are not to let that happen. We are worshipers of God. Our lives have been transformed by him. And so we want to honor and glorify God in every single area of our life. Our our worship touches our language, what we see, how we live, how we relate to other people. We are not to be conformed. To the pattern of this world. This is our desire. But what do we do? We're transformed. By the renewing of our mind. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit begins to transform our lives. As we open up the Bible. It actually changes how we think. It changes our vision. And our values. It helps us to understand. Our purpose in this world. God's word transforms our life I love this word transform it's the Greek word metamorph. Uh, I was almost there metamorphomia which is where we get our English word metamorphosis which is the amazing word we use to describe the transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly and i just thinking about that again this morning how amazing it is Here you have this ordinary caterpillar. It's a little worm that crawls on the earth. And through a process of metamorphosis, that earth crawler gets wings and gets to fly and becomes a beautiful butterfly. God wants to transform our lives. He wants to metamorph your life so that you become something extraordinary, something beautiful, something transformed, something that rises above the mediocrity of this world so that you and I might be conformed to the very image of Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? God changes lives. He transforms lives. And how does he do that? Romans twelve two. by the power of the Holy Spirit through the renewing of our mind we open up the bible and our mind is renewed i was thinking about an illustration uh years ago angie and i had a microwave and we bought this microwave i think got it early on in our marriage when you get a microwave it's not like you read the manual you don't need to right it's a microwave you plug it in it cooks your food done so that's what i did i plugged it in and it was it worked great about 10 years later, microwave still works, that's awesome. But I came across the manual. And I was like, you know, manual, I don't need this. I was flipping through some of the pages. You know what I found out? Our microwave had a 30 second feature, it was there the whole time. Come on, you can push one button and get 30 seconds? Game changer. Sometimes you got to read the manual. I'm telling you. Guys, the Bible is God's manual for life. And if you're like me, a lot of times you don't read the manual. But if we don't read the manual, what happens? We end up making the same decisions, running into the same problems. But when we open up the Bible, our mind is transformed. We discover who God is. We discover who we are and the difference he can make in our life. We begin thinking differently about our relationships. We think differently about marriage, about how we raise our kids, about all the choices we're making and the very purpose of our lives. God's word renews our mind. It changes our life. And uh, by the way, uh, just preview. Uh, in two weeks, we start a new series called Built Different. And we're going to talk about how knowing God changes our life. Our life is going to be built different because we know Jesus. That's coming up. But just just to ease a little bit, changing your life is the very best thing you can do. I know there's some fear like, oh, God's going to change my life. Uh Uh-uh. Changing your life is the most amazing thing that can happen. Look at what it says at the end of Romans 12 too. As you worship God in every area of your life, it says, here's what's going to happen. You will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right? That's God's will for your life. What is it? Good, pleasing, and perfect. In other words, you're going to love the new you. You're going to love the new, you don't have to be afraid of The changes God wants to bring because they're always good, pleasing, and perfect. You say, Oh man, I just want to be a caterpillar. Can't I just be a caterpillar? You're going to be a caterpillar, you're going to get what caterpillars get crawling in the mud. I think we can look at the world and say, It's not working. As we look at the lives, and I just go, How do people live without Jesus? I see broken homes, broken families, broken marriages, anxiety, depression. Guys, being a caterpillar isn't working. We have an opportunity to fly. We have an opportunity to be transformed into what is good, pleasing, and perfect through a relationship with God in Jesus Christ. That's the invitation. The worship doesn't have to stop. I love coming, singing songs, glory in the Lord. This is amazing. I wouldn't change this. I wouldn't miss this. But when we leave this room today, the worship doesn't end. The worship goes on into, into Sunday afternoon, into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the rest of our lives. The worship doesn't have to stop. How? By offering our lives to God. Our whole life becomes worship as we offer it to him. And it's, it's transformed by him. That's our vision. That's our vision for worship here at home. So let's pray and uh, we can close with a song. God, thank you for this morning. And we know that as we live in this world, there's, there's so many areas of brokenness that we experience. But yet, God, you want to do an amazing work of transformation. And it starts right where we're at. It starts in this moment where we say yes to Jesus in a relationship with him. And so I pray for every person in this room. As you work in our hearts, God, right now, you're saying, surrender your life to me. Surrender that situation to me. Surrender that marriage to me. Surrender that, that child who's hurting. We can't do this on our own. And this morning, we recognize your worth. We recognize that you paid the price for our sins and you've come into our lives so that we might be transformed. Forgive us, God, for acting like the world, for looking like the world, for doing the things the world does. We don't want to do that anymore. We want to worship you. We want to honor you in every area of our life. You gave your life for us. A perfect sacrifice on that cross. We present our lives to you this morning as those who've gone from death to life. Take our lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. You deserve it all. You're a great God. You're worthy of the greatest praise. So it's with loud voices that we come and we sing. It's with hearts full of praise that we live our lives during the week. Change our lives, God. And do the work in our hearts that only you can do. We invite you into this moment, into our story, so that we might never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.